I'm Professor Michael Cox. I've been at the LSE now for seven years uh, in the Department of International Relations where I hold a chair. Um, but I'm also co-director of a centre here for diplomacy and strategy which is called Ideas. Firstly, the United States, uh, although many people think it's now in decline, relative decline, nonetheless remains the dominant power in the world. And as the dominant power in the world, it looks at the world globally. And it's bound to look at all parts of the world. And one part of the world it's been looking at incre with increasing interest over the last few years has been China. The reason it's looking at China more intensively is for two reasons. One is because, on the one hand, it is a very dynamic part of the world economy. And Europe isn't, and this therefore makes the Americans very interested in China. It's, it's the buoyant bit, and we're, Europe at the moment is, apart from Germany, it looks like the slumping bit. But the reality is that you know Europe at the moment looks at peace, even if it's not doing very well economically or the sovereign debt crisis. Uh, Europe is not a place where threats are going to come from. It's not like the Cold War. The Cold War privileged Europe and that privilege has gone away. And I think the big challenge for Europe is where it finds its place in this world, this changing and evolving and rapidly uh, emerging world in many ways, between the emerging powers of Asia and an America which still looks at the world globally. America's still friendly with Europe, obviously. It sees it as an ally. But nonetheless, Europe has to find its own role. And I don't think it's yet defined that role in the world. China is both an opportunity and a challenge. This is a a different kind of model of development. I mean, Europe has developed, broadly speaking, a socially inclusive, social democratic, liberal democratic model of capitalism, which both provides competition, human rights, and social, uh, social protection. And I think the Chinese model, which in a sense is authoritarian capitalism, state capitalism, a communist-run capitalistic economy, is a challenge. It's not that we are going to imitate it, but nonetheless it's a challenge to, to the European model. Where did Europe come from in terms of the European Union, the project, the European community, originally the coal and steel community? It came out of the Second World War. It came out of the First World War. So it, it, it really first and foremost was a peace project. I think then other parts of the project got added on, like a hotel building almost, you know, little wings got built on it. It then became increasingly I think, a, a democratic project, an increasingly important democratic project. I think it then becomes more and more uh, an important economic project. And all those th three things come together. And where Europe begins in the late 40s, where it evolved to by the Treaty of Rome in 1957, by the Single European Act of 1986, and then by Maastricht of you know, the early 1990s, it responds to crises and grows and then after the end of the Cold War begins to enlarge at the same time as integrate. And this is what gives me some hope for the future. I think Europe is in a deep crisis. I don't, I'm not underestimating that. But all crises, as they say, to use the cliché, crises are also opportunities. The catastrophic view on this is that we can no longer continue with the Euros. That's simple. Some countries will simply have to get out of it because otherwise the social tensions and political instabilities in those countries, such as Portugal, such as Spain, such as Greece, if they remain within the euro, they're going to be remain rigidly tied to a currency which is far too overvalued for them. We, but they basically need to devalue, and the only way they can devalue is by getting out of the euro and going back to their original, their original uh, currencies, the drachma or whatever. Um, others are saying that even if we can keep the euro, the political union is already damaged because it's highlighted big differences between what you might call the prosperous north 
and the less prosperous South, and, and that kind of division has come up. So there's the kind of deep pessimists on one side. The other end of that debate, there's another question, which is, I, I, and I, this is the view I subscribe to. It's not, a, it's not a naively optimistic one, but it basically says, Europe's too big to fail. It's too important to fail. And what's involved here isn't just an economic project, it's a political project, it's a security project. It is about stability in Europe over the long term. This is why, in the end, I think these, 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 all these countries, even the weaker Southern European and the Irish ones, are going to stay in the Euro. They have, because the, the cost of getting out for them and for Europe are too big. It could set off a domino effect and we could bring the whole European project down. And that's really what's at stake now. And this is why I think in the end, even though there is complaints from a number of the more prosperous European countries, Finland has shown this in its recent elections. We've seen this in Germany. We'll no doubt see it in other countries which are doing pretty well at the moment about subsidizing poorer, poorer Southern neighbors, or in this case of Ireland. Uh, I still think the overwhelming strength of the European Union is going to keep it, keep it on the road with a lot of problems al along it though, however.